You've heard the term, maybe you've even read a book, but the question is still there. What is mindfulness and how do I get started? Should I get started? What if I'm not very good at it? Well, lucky for you, today I have a mindfulness guru here with me to talk shop all about it. So let's jump in. What does it mean to love and work well? And how do I pursue what truly matters? Working at the intersection of business and psychology, I help you answer these questions and more so you can focus priorities, inspire change, lead with courage, and live with more joy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. So today I'm so excited because I have a guest here with me today, Dr. Jared Warren. He's a licensed psychologist and associate professor of psychology at Brigham Young University. So welcome. We're glad to have you. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. So what comes to mind when you hear the word mindfulness? You know, we hear a lot about it these days, but it can still be a really fuzzy topic. So, you know, what is it exactly? How can it help you? And how do you how do you do it? Is it even something that you do? So today we're going to answer those questions. And I'm really excited because there are some great answers to these questions. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk with Dr. Jared Warren of Brigham Young University, who not only researches mindfulness, but he's pretty passionate about this topic. Of course, in addition to his research, he teaches courses on mindfulness. And of course, he practices what he preaches. So he's really the perfect person to talk to about this topic. So, you know, before we jump into all the ways that mindfulness can help you pursue what matters, I want to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Warren. So first of all, Jared completed his undergrad, and feel free to correct me at any time. So completed his undergrad degree uh, in psychology at BYU. Go Cougars. That's where I did my (laughs) undergrad, too. Um, And completed both his master's degree and doctoral degree in clinical child psychology from University of Kansas in Lawrence. Okay, so you were in the Midwest. Rock, Chuck, Jayhawk. There you go. Okay, (laughs) we kind of all did our time in the Midwest, I think. It's like a rite of passage, I think. Yeah, not a bad place for grad school. No, it's not. It's a good place to study. (laughs) 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 At least for us. When when we were in Missouri, it's like, ah, there wasn't much more happening. But no, it's a great place. Great place. Okay, so as part of his doctoral training, Dr. Warren completed an APA-accredited pre-doctoral internship at the University of Washington School of Medicine in Seattle and Children's Hospital and Regional Medical Center. That's a great internship, by Mm, the way. I'm sure he had great experience there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, At BYU, Jared has taught a variety of courses, but the majority are on his focus of child psychology, right? Yeah, it's been uh, child psychology, a lot of psychotherapy classes because I'm in the graduate training program for training our uh, clinical psychology students. And um, so in addition to the child and adolescent uh, courses, more recently it has been more on mindfulness-based interventions and undergraduate and graduate some classes in positive psychology, which... Very cool. uh, work well with the mindfulness topic as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so he spent the last eight years as an associate professor of psychology at at Brigham Young University, and his students love him. So, you know, we went to the source of all wisdom, which is right, my professor. Oh, oh dear. I, I know. That. I know. <laughs> Students love it. Professors hate it. Right. But but, you know, Dr. Warren probably doesn't hate it because he's rated really, really highly on right, my professor. And one of the things that we came across is a lot of his students describe him as very zen (laughs) which i think is the perfect compliment when it comes to this topic and mindfulness so i'm thinking he really is the perfect person to be talking about this topic so so seriously there were a lot of people that described you as very zen okay so i love that now i have to live up to that now you totally have to live up to that yeah no pressure right (laughs) But I thought that was a great compliment to you. So Jared describes himself as a professor, 
researcher, psychologist, father, student of life, I love that, and photographer. So, you know, I've covered the professor, researcher, and psychologist thing, but I do want to mention that Jared is a phenomenal photographer. So Mm. I've seen some of his photography and it's amazing. So I'm going to link to his Instagram account and his website in my show notes so you can check him out because it's, it's really fantastic stuff. So his specialty is nature at night. Is that right? Well, I I do love (laughs) landscape photography and have spent more time over the years with like astrophotography. Okay. So yeah, nightscapes and the Milky Way and stuff like that. Wow. And it's actually really kind of complemented my mindfulness interests. Exactly. In a number of ways. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would think so because full disclosure, I do mindfulness because I really need it in my life because like I naturally I'm not Zen <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm sure that's really hard to tell <laughs> about me. But you know, when it comes to photography, like I I'm not a patient photographer. And I think it's it's it goes hand in hand with the like I need mindfulness because it doesn't come naturally. Because, you know, to be able to to kind of get get the right photo it requires a presence yeah and i feel like um with photography i mean getting good at it it's kind of learning how to see yeah and i think with mindfulness it's also really that it's about learning how to see and perspective so there have been a number of ways that yeah that hobby has really reinforced my mindfulness interests in fact, briefly, what comes to mind is, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I got into landscape photography, loved the experiences outdoors. But what I noticed happening mm-hmm. were times when, you know, I'm, I'm getting up at 4.30 a.m. to hike out a couple miles to this spot that I'd scattered out the day before. And I'm hoping for this, you know, epic sunrise so I can post on Instagram and have thousands of people say how <laughs> great it is. And so I'm wanting, you know, these great conditions. And then... It doesn't work out or like the clouds kind of cover the sunrise and it's all just flat or something. And I noticed myself feeling like frustrated and upset, like I wanted things to be a certain way. But with mindfulness, it's about, you know, an awareness of that reaction. And I noticed here I am in this amazing place, you know, maybe in a national park or in the Mm -hmm. backcountry somewhere. Mm -hmm. And and those feelings of frustration could get in the way of enjoying the experience of you know that time in nature and so it kind of helps pull for me a a reminder of okay you know what yeah this is what I wanted this is the way it is and there's absolutely enough um, you know great things about this moment that I can enjoy whatever happens so it's it's been interesting. It's yeah. been a nice mindful reminder. Okay, so you've you've got to check out his photography. <laughs> so this is really cool. So we found this out about him. So he was the artist in residence mm-hmm. at okay, tell I don't know if I've got this exactly right. At Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument two years ago. Yeah. That's that's really cool. So this competition is really steep and it's held annually down in Escalante, Utah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's quite a distinction to win that. Um, it was kind of a, a random thing that I applied for cause I was on sabbatical. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I wasn't teaching that semester and, um, yeah, I was really fortunate. They paid me to go down and wow. spend a month down grand staircase area and shoot wow. photos. And it was awesome. That's so cool. That's so cool. So, so we're going to link to, you know, some of, some of his photos and of course, um, his website. So you, you've got to, you've got to check it out. And, you know, like, like Jared said, it, it sounds like it's really inspired some of his mindfulness. So, you know, I definitely want to learn more about that because that's, that's really inspiring. So, okay. So now you have an opportunity to, you know, set the record straight or, (laughs) you know, finish, finish that introduction, but tell us a little bit more about how you became um, interested in mindfulness and, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you get the last word on your introduction here. Okay. (laughs) 
No, that all sounded great, but it reminded me of another quick story that yeah. kind of shows. It was sort of the, well, as I look back, and this happened about eight or 10 years ago, but it was a, a change in my own personal trajectory that really coincided with um, mindfulness practices. And it's also related to photography. Yeah. In fact, so it was about eight or 10 years ago that I got a camera and... Um, I got it, you know, thinking I'm going to use this to take pictures of my kids and, you know, watch them grow up and stuff like that. But we were camping down near uh, Panguitch Lake in southern Utah, and it was about an hour from Bryce Canyon. And I hadn't been there in like at least a decade or so. I didn't even remember what it looked like. And it was during a time in my um, professional life where it, at the university I was going up for uh, our tenure review and for those that don't know in academics for a you know academic uh, researcher uh, person you get to this point where basically they evaluate your research and your teaching and your other work and decide if they're going to keep you around or ask you to find something else to do so it was really stressful kind of gut-wrenching kind of <laughs> kind of stressful and so i was working a lot of hours uh, you know, really focus on that, you know, as you might expect. Um, but, you know, I was down there with my family for the weekend and thought, I'm going to try to run out to Bryce Canyon for the sunrise and, you know, try out my new camera. So I get up at like 4.30 in the morning. It was a more than an hour drive to get out there. Uh, so it was dark when I started. I remember deer kept jumping out in front of me on the road and <laughs> trying to avoid them. But I noticed on the horizon, it's starting to get lighter. And I didn't know exactly where I was going. So I was worried I was going to miss it because, you know, the sun is getting ready to come up. So I step on it, find this um, parking area that leads to an overlook that I'm guessing, you know, might work for a good view. The sun's about to come up, so I'm sprinting out to the edge of the canyon with my gear. Get to the edge, set up my tripod and camera really fast, just in time to see you know the sun start to, to peek up over the horizon. And for those that have been to Bryce Canyon, there, I I I don't even know how to describe the experience of when that light started hitting the the hoodoos you know the rock formations mm -hmm. and you get this surreal orange glow and um i mean i would i would describe describe it as a kind of spiritual experience mm -hmm. and um something clicked in my head it was like number one i need more of this i need i need balance and what I also recognized in that experience were a couple of things that I'd been learning more about in my study of positive psychology and mindfulness. I mean, that sense of presence, um, also kind of a flow experience where, yeah. you know, you're, um, you know, that sense of immersion in the experience. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking in that moment about, you know, being stressed about my job mm -hmm. and, and other daily stressors. And, and it was a perfect moment. And I was like, I need more of this and I don't want to miss these opportunities. And so at that time, I'd been starting to learn more about mindfulness, uh, partly because of my work as a clinical psychologist, mm -hmm. but also just, you know, personally. And um, as I look back, you know, again, that was about eight or 10 years ago, I see this trajectory change in my own life and if you'd asked me 10 years ago you know how things were going i'd have said oh that's it's great you know life is good yeah family's good job is good but um i didn't realize how much better it could be yeah when you bring in that sense of perspective mm -hmm. that comes with mindfulness and some of these related areas um in in positive psychology it's about yeah. you know living your best life yeah so um, I, I, I made some changes, okay. uh, including I started, you know, that's where my landscape photography took off. Okay. And, um, and also just a, a shift in my emphasis in my work as well to find the things that I was most passionate about. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Melissa, it's been amazing. Yeah. And, and I credit you know, my mindfulness practice to some of that. 
and um, I am a little bit of an evangelist now when it comes to <laughs> mindfulness and positive psychology because there's something in there for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's that's cool. That's really inspiring. Thanks for sharing that. And great. to add this story, I'm still at BYU, so I did actually pass the uh, Yeah, review. you got tenure, right? <laughs> so that worked out okay. <laughs> Happy ending to the story. At yeah. Least for that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it cool, though, that that i mean that's that's actually so cool that with that trajectory you could kind of shift some of that research focus yeah. and pursue that passion yeah a little bit more with your research mm-hmm. so i love that okay very cool well okay so let's start let's start out with the basics what is mindfulness yeah that's a great question. <laughs> no, it's a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> it's a good place to start, though. Yeah. And so you ask that question, and there's some textbook answers. Sure. So you hear textbook answers like, well, mindfulness is a present moment awareness with acceptance. But like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, there's a lot of big words there. So there's some words there. What does that mean? <laughs> Um, I'd probably the kind of the next way to describe it and this is kind of my definition, but mm-hmm. I define mindfulness as, um, it's an awareness of our thoughts, our emotions, our experiences that gives us the perspective to act in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, it, it's related to our, our everyday experiences it's a it's getting to know how our mind works it's mm-hmm. working in healthier ways with the normal emotions that we experience as humans because and i think this is really foundational for understanding why this is so important but mm-hmm. as humans are our, our the human brain is wired in a way that focuses on our survival we're wired more to survive than to thrive and sometimes because of that we get in our own way and um, mindfulness allows us to sort of be more aware of what's going on so that we can make healthier choices yeah to kind of step back from that just a little bit yeah Yeah, so it gives us perspective so Mm -hmm. other words we'd throw in there for defining mindfulness it's about awareness it's Mm -hmm. about perspective Mm -hmm. It's about clarity and um, and also I would say too kind of expanding our our agency, our like our that. ability to know what our choices are and then maybe pick the best choice uh, with with that greater perspective. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I often kind of think of it in terms I, I I use all of those terms. I often also think of it in terms of, becoming a curious observer mm-hmm. to your experience, mm-hmm. right? And this idea of you're, you're present, but you also have a little bit of separation, you know? So this idea of, of perspective, of it's like, okay, yeah, I see these emotions, I see this situation, but I'm, I, I'm a little bit at a remove from it, mm-hmm. which kind of lends that perspective. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, very cool. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, where these practices come from. And then um, I think I think what can can feel pretty confusing for a lot of people. It's, it's something that certainly comes up for people that I work with clinically is what's the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Mm-hmm. Great. So where where mindfulness practices came from and i start by saying there there are parts of uh what i would say is mindfulness that come from a lot of different traditions different um religious or philosophical uh, uh, traditions but um i think where we get most of the practices that you know have been studied in the research uh they come from uh a Buddhist tradition mm-hmm. and and I would say to people too that we're not actually talking about Buddhism as a religion here right, it's right. more of a 
a psychology, a science mm-hmm. of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really just a set of practices that help us develop this awareness of, yeah. of how our minds work. And um, the difference between mindfulness and meditation, mindfulness is, is when we're describing the quality of that awareness. Okay. And meditation is a method for cultivating that awareness. Okay. So med- sometimes the terms get used interchangeably and sometimes that's fine. But if we want to make a clear distinction, mm-hmm. meditation tends to be a set of practices like, you know, sitting meditation or walking meditation, mm-hmm. formal practices that help help us cultivate that habit of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of informal ways to practice mindfulness, including just if you're in traffic and you take a moment to notice the sensation of your hands on the steering wheel, yeah. I mean, even just a few seconds of that, that's an informal way to also cultivate that uh, awareness. So it's true also that, you know, with this gets better with practice. Yeah. There's kind of a dose response relationship. Okay. The more people practice, the easier that ability to kind of notice what's going on happens. So mm-hmm. we try to, we try to find ways to practice so that it becomes more natural just in our everyday life. So, um, yeah, mindfulness is kind of the bigger picture of that quality of awareness. And um, meditation is a time-tested and, and research-supported way to bring that about. But there are a lot of ways to do that. In fact, you know, yeah. like I said, you know, in a lot of different traditions or, or you know, religious traditions, it also just comes down to giving ourselves opportunities for stillness. Yeah. So people can do that through prayer. People mm-hmm. can do that, you know, through meditation. People can do that through yoga or Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of ways to, you know, enter that, um, that space of practicing and cultivating these skills. And um, meditation happens to be the one that's, that we have a lot of research on. Yeah. So sometimes they get used interchangeably, but that's the distinction. Okay. Yeah. And as, you know, as we, as we move forward, we'll talk about, you know, some, some ways to practice that. But, but one thing that I have found is, is sometimes we try and overcomplicate it, but I love what you say about just finding moments for stillness. But I think sometimes, you know, in our, kind of overstressed, you know, complicated life, even that is like, what? Like, how do you even do that? You know? So, but I love that idea, like these moments of stillness or noticing your hands on the steering wheel. Wow. Like I'm really gripping that steering wheel tight, you know, (laughs) (laughs) noticing that. So, okay. So now, now let's talk about, you know, the why. So why, why would you consider um, mindfulness, right? So what are, tell us about the benefits of mindfulness, maybe some of the research you, you mentioned, some of yeah. the research around this. So most people have probably heard that, you know, there is a lot of research yeah. on this. Most yeah. people, in fact, I think most commonly people get their introduction to mindfulness because they've heard that it's helpful for Things like depression or anxiety mm-hmm. or insomnia or chronic pain or other clinical issues that, you know, as psychologists we might work with. Mm-hmm. And that's all true. And there's a, a lot of really interesting and, and uh, promising research on that. And I mean, that field of research continues to evolve and lots of fascinating stuff that's coming out of that. Um, but I would say, too, that there there's a lot more reasons and maybe even more important reasons to practice mindfulness than just to get rid of some challenging issue that that bothers us in fact there's a little bit of a paradox because you know as part of mindfulness we we're starting to cultivate this acceptance in the sense of exactly awareness of okay this is the way things are and a lot of times we make things worse by our resistance to a situation Mm -hmm. like i don't want to feel this way or oh i'm stuck in traffic you know this is Mm -hmm. so frustrating Mm -hmm. this i'm missing out on this and this and that reaction that frustration actually increases the distress that we're experiencing 
and starts to you know blind us to what the options are to us right. in that moment right and so in a really broad way i feel like mindfulness promotes just our quality of life mm-hmm. and it complements all kinds of other important things in life you know positive attributes and goals that we have that that may not have anything to do with you know some you know specific issue like pain or insomnia or or anxiety or something like that yeah and um i mean even just something as simple as well all right here's the here's the example that comes to mind because it's my life but yeah yeah um i am I'm working hard right now on developing some online courses to help people learn about skills in mindfulness and positive psychology. The first one I'm going to launch next month is on self-compassion. Okay. So I think this is going to be super helpful for people. I've done research on this. Mm -hmm. People have already gone through parts of this program and, Mm -hmm. you know, are describing it as life changing. But yesterday I, so what I don't know much about is like, marketing stuff like this yeah so i've been trying to learn about it but i'm a i'm a psychologist i'm not a business person yeah. or a marketer yeah. and so i was like okay i'm gonna try to do a facebook ad to let people know about this free um self-compassion assessment that my yeah. research team developed mm-hmm. so i send the ad out and it's kind of like crickets <laughs> and i'm like dang it what am i what am i, I doing feel, wrong? i feel you brother <laughs> What am I doing wrong? Do people and so here's what happens is my mind starts yeah. producing all of these thoughts that are pretty self-critical and yeah. discouraging. Maybe no one really cares about this. Maybe, yeah. you know, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And and there's a risk if I am not aware of what my mind is doing in that moment. Yeah. That that can drag me down into a a cycle of discouragement Mm -hmm. and if i follow that i end up going home and and binging netflix shows and (laughs) eating a gallon of ice cream which there's nothing wrong with that maybe but if i'm not aware of it could be problematic right (laughs) what what i want to be aware of is that i still have choices i still have options and if i notice what my mind is doing and i can say okay that's an interesting thought but there's also other possibilities like you know what there's kind of a science to ad targeting in facebook ads that i still don't know about and maybe there's some tweaks that i can make and maybe i should give it more than you know 12 hours to see how things go Mm -hmm. so mindfulness brings to our everyday experience Mm -hmm. the possibility of noticing what what our mind is doing what other options there are and and when we get better at that we can decide is that a thought that i want to run with if i believe that thought 100 mm-hmm. percent, does that take me to where i want to go mm-hmm. and if not mindfulness gives us the opportunity to change directions to yeah. follow a different thought mm-hmm. and and it gives us i said earlier about that idea of maybe it increases our agency yeah so there's a quote i like from uh, it's attributed to Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. He said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our ability to choose yeah. our response. And um, in that response lies our power and our freedom. Yeah. And I One feel of like, my favorites. I love it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what I feel like happens as we develop this skill, mm-hmm. it increases mindfulness increases that space between stimulus and response and gives us a split second to notice okay i've got more options and um with a little more perspective and equanimity yeah make the choice that is really in line with what we want in line with our values in line with what we uh, you know the core of who we are instead of just knee-jerk reaction to Mm -hmm. what the circumstances are pulling Mm -hmm. from us Mm -hmm. so i feel like it expands that space between stimulus and response and imagine all the aspects of everyday life where that skill could be helpful wow yeah yeah huge i mean every day there are opportunities where if if we're just you know if our mind is buzzing and, and going 100 miles an hour and we're not mm-hmm. we're not noticing that process, mm-hmm. we can miss out on 
our life. We can miss yeah. out on opportunities yeah. that we value. So okay. that perspective, that awareness, that gives us a chance to maybe choose what we really want. Yeah. Okay, so I want I want you to maybe even break this down a little bit more for some of our listeners. So if we for all of our listeners actually, right? If we think about kind of the role and, and you kind of did this a little bit, but the role of thoughts and emotions and mm-hmm. right, like this space mm-hmm. to be able to choose. Because so it sounds like part of what happens is right, if we're not we want to be mindful of what's happening with our thoughts and not mm-hmm. not get swayed by them too much. Yeah. Is that right? So t- so talk to us a little bit about kind of the role of our thoughts and and the role of mindfulness in kind of keeping us yeah. grounded or keeping perspective. Sure. And I think some helpful context for this yeah. is that so the starting point is that the human brain is amazing. I mean Think (laughs) think of all the amazing things that, you know, our human brains can do for us. And especially we've got this amazing prefrontal cortex that helps us to to plan and evaluate and anticipate and learn from past experiences and and make, you know, judgments and analysis. And all that is really important. And there's a risk, though, if we're not aware of or we're spending so much time in like planning mode Mm -hmm. or evaluating mode that that can keep us from living in this moment. And so what mindfulness practices do is help us get a little more perspective, be aware of, of how the mind works, be aware of thoughts as they arise and, and come to a place where we recognize that thoughts are are just thoughts that thoughts are not facts that the mind's job is to produce thoughts and sometimes it's in when it's the mind's just trying to watch out for us keep us safe sometimes the mind produces thoughts that are unhelpful for those circumstances like um oh no no one's gonna like my self-compassion course because you know this ad isn't performing well yeah yeah well that's a thought you know it's trying to watch out for me and keep me safe. Mm-hmm. But is that something that I want to run my behavior, to run my actions? Yeah. In, in this case, probably not. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah. The thoughts aren't necessarily accurate. They're that's not right. necessarily helpful. Yeah. So, so mindfulness practices train us to notice thoughts as thoughts, mm-hmm. to not necessarily take them as facts or necessarily the truth and Mm -hmm. and give us that perspective to decide you know which thoughts we want to run with with emotions it's a similar process Mm -hmm. and you think about you know how emotions are so good for us and all you know we that's part of what makes us human yeah and there are circumstances that pull for strong emotions they can be problematic right That if we're lost in the emotion, if it's so all-consuming that we can't see what the options are, then sometimes we, if if some circumstance pulls out anger in me, there might be a like a an automatic reaction to that circumstance that isn't healthy and Mm -hmm. isn't appropriate or isn't going to get me to what I really want. And so. Mindfulness practices give us an awareness of those emotions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes sometimes these are hard emotions. You know, when we're talking about, you know, anxiety and depression and discouragement. And it's natural not to want to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like like I said before, sometimes the reaction to try to push down, resist, suppress difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. Um is also unhealthy. There's a psychologist that I admire a lot. His name's Chris Germer. He's done a lot of work around self-compassion related mm-hmm. areas. I like there's a phrase from him. He says, when we resist and try to push down difficult emotions, they go down to the basement and lift weights. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like they end up, they come, they might go away temporarily, but then they might come back stronger yeah. and and give us even more trouble. Yeah. And so we 
as humans spend a lot of time trying to get rid of things that feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and that often ends up being counterproductive yeah so with mindfulness practices we try to make room for the emotional experience Mm -hmm. we try to observe it from a perspective where it's 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 the difference between i mean if there's a hurricane going down on going on you know on the on the surface and we're down in it we're getting beat up you know we're getting hit by debris and i mean that is hard but there's always a place where we can get up above that storm Mm -hmm. and observe it and it's still there but we're an observer of the experience instead of being consumed by it right um it's possible as we get better at this to Mm -hmm. find more of those moments where we can observe that emotional storm instead of being completely beat up by it yeah and so again you know, you might still feel that distress, but you, you're observing it instead of like identifying with it and being all consumed by it. And it, again, puts you in a better perspective to decide, all right, what do I, what do I want to do next? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think of it as mindfulness helps you to become the calm in the storm, you know, because yeah. life, life will continue to be challenging, right? Like, there will always be challenges Absolutely. in life, but how how can you learn to be the calm yeah. in the storm? Yeah, I, I like that. I like a similar analogy is, you know, the you think about the sky again. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever comes through, whatever weather yeah. comes through, the sky is big enough to hold, to hold it. that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, as we as we get better at this, you know, we can we can be having a, a difficult time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still have that perspective to hold it all mm-hmm. and not let it um, run our decisions yeah. in unhealthy ways. Okay, so then it it seems like, and you know, I'm I I consider myself a student of mindfulness. It's something that I've personally found a lot of value in and and certainly um professionally with with people I work with I I I preach about it all the time right but it's it seems like right we don't want to be too swayed by you know the thoughts we don't want to be too swayed by our emotions right that they're they're sources of information right um so what's our what's our guiding what's our guiding like is it is it values is it purpose what what would you say to that yeah. or or am I making sense of it maybe in a no I way? I like that I think um, this brings in and um, this is great because it's very uh, personal to the individual like yeah. you know it it it's probably a, a a good complementary practice for a person to spend time really clarifying mm-hmm. their values mm-hmm. and you know what do I want my life to be about and you know how do I want to spend my time and what is most important to me yeah because that is an anchor for for us yeah and I think that combined with you know practicing a, a mindful awareness the mindfulness gives us the opportunity to see things as they are Mm -hmm. and and then it's easier to go with okay based on my values based on what's important to me what direction do i want to go so it's it's like it's like an anchor and it's like a compass Mm -hmm. to kind of help us decide all right this is this is what i really want yeah to do with my life this is how i want to spend my time in this emotionally charged situation what do my values dictate that is most important to me so i think that is a really helpful Mm complementary practice to spend time uh, kind of deciding what we really want our life to be about clarifying that yeah okay cool okay so so then if we if we go back to this idea of you know the benefits of mindfulness which you know i think can be helpful for people but Ultimately, maybe that's a little bit of a misnomer, right? Because 
it's like, yeah, like on the surface, and this is this is an area of your research, there are lots of benefits of mindfulness. And yet <laughs> some of the work with some some of the work with mindfulness is that we want to be careful about you know labeling and that it you know kind of this idea of we're holding it all and it's it's not about even necessarily reducing pain or you know that sort of thing yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what are, what are your thoughts on that yeah i'm glad you brought that up again because i started alluding to this before yeah, yeah. about this paradox exactly because, and like i so Sometimes I I debate how I want to present this to people for the first time. It's a hard time. one. I think it's a really hard one for yeah. people to because hold. yeah, we've got research that it's helpful for all these issues, but you actually don't. You number one, this isn't a magic wand. Yeah, if, don't get too attached. If someone's to it. <laughs> expecting this to be you know the answer yeah. to fix you know all these issues, they're probably going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. And so, what we want to bring to this endeavor is is that um, that curiosity that yeah. you described before. It's like, okay, what would it be like if I approached these issues from a different perspective? Mm-hmm. And would I be okay with, yeah, let's say I've got some chronic back pain. I would love for that to go away. I've heard mindfulness, you know, can help with that and, and it can, but like if I'm approaching it as some tool that I'm going to use to fix some specific issue Mm -hmm. that kind of runs counter to the acceptance that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. the, that natural curiosity that that we bring to the experience. Mm -hmm. And so the paradox is, as we let go of the need for it to be, something for us to do some specific thing for us the expectation yeah right we let go with let go of that we notice benefits in all kinds of areas of our life Mm -hmm. and and maybe it includes improving my back pain but it's not because i needed it to be that way it's more of a side effect of the practice that i'm happy happened yeah um and so honestly, like, even if we didn't have all this research on, oh, it's helpful for this and this and this, mm-hmm. I don't think that would matter because I think it's more about that broad quality of life that it can bring to a person. And I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy for that. But like, I mean, if you had, well, let's just take a reading. This is yeah. maybe a bizarre oh, example. But though this is a good one because I love reading. Okay. So let's... I mean, what I, if, I like that. I mean, would you say that reading like, is like inherently a, a good thing? Like, would it, could reading you know, fix all these problems that you have? Well, it could, but <laughs> it depends on how you use it. Yeah. And even if like reading didn't give all these benefits that the research shows, then... Isn't your life better because you can read? Yeah. It has nothing to do with, you know, fixing issues in your life. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think of it as more of a broad yeah. uh, aspect of, of, again, perspective and awareness and quality of life. And I think there's, it's, it's kind of just an open invitation. Mm-hmm. So if someone is intrigued or curious, like, well, I've heard this can be helpful, yeah. um, you know, let that curiosity bring you to experiment with these practices. Mm-hmm. And there's a saying that comes out of the, um, uh, the Buddhist tradition, uh, the term from the, the Pali language that this was written down in. It's ehipasiko, which translated means come and see. See for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. come, come almost like an experiment, um, not needing it to have a specific outcome, but then yeah. see what happens as you work with those practices. Yeah. And um, millions of people have been pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Show what the actual brain mechanisms that are involved that make this happen. Yeah. And so just at a high level, an example of what we're noticing happening this comes from just amazing you know, neuroscience research. with Which is uh, so cool what yeah. we can do now. Just even since yeah. 
we were probably in grad school. Exactly. Like. And the fMRI research, the functional magnetic resonance imaging, mm-hmm. where, you know, we're looking at you know how activity in the brain can be really specific. So we have the area of the brain called the amygdala. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a threat detection center, mm-hmm. sort of like looking out for potential dangers or threats. And for most humans, that's if you're looking at it like a thermometer or thermostat, it's kind of set a little bit too high because for our ancestors, that kind of increased awareness of potential threats was really adaptive for them. But in our modern day life, that ends up getting applied to all kinds of situations where it's not actually necessary. Um, And so that that um, that amygdala activity and so and in good circumstances the prefrontal cortex will tell the amygdala okay this isn't actually a situation you need to be that worried about your life is not in danger you know you, it's it's okay it's going to be okay down, right? yeah yeah so mindfulness practices help um modulate that amygdala response that increases the connectivity between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala Mm -hmm. so that prefrontal cortex is saying hey amygdala it's okay you know these are the circumstances you're going to be okay and we experience our subjective experience because of that is a, a more um appropriate response to the stressors that we experience every day Mm -hmm. so that instead of if i get cut off in traffic and i have this you know response Mm -hmm. that's like oh this person's trying to hurt me or something like that yeah it's a calm reaction that okay that's what just happened but Mm -hmm. it's okay and i don't need to react in this crazy way yeah and you know a thousand other everyday examples so less reactivity more calm and we're seeing you know to summarize i think we're seeing the mechanisms being uh, more just adaptive emotional responses for the circumstances Mm -hmm. Uh, there's some other research in areas of the brain related to our sense of uh, self-concept and um that improves brain functioning in, in healthy mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting to get a handle from, you know, like the neural mechanisms about why this yeah. is important. But it's interesting because like, you know, these are practices that, you know, have come out of, of you know, the mindfulness tradition that's 2,500 years old. That's so cool. So, yeah. you know, there's 2,500 years of kind of case example research and people saying, oh, this is the way it helps. Mm-hmm. And now neuroscience that's showing why, that is the experience that people are having. Yeah. Um, so that's been an, an interesting yeah. uh, thing from the research. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, okay. So, so yeah, that, that, you know, really takes me to kind of this next question of, you know, how, how it can help specifically. And I think you, you know, you really answer that. And I don't know if there's more to say about that, but, you know, kind of the specific targets. So, right. It sounds like definitely with distress tolerance, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a term I would use as a psychologist is, yeah. is psychological flexibility. Ooh, so I, I like that. <laughs> and, and that term, I mean, could be applied to a lot of different, you know, everyday behaviors Mm -hmm. and situations, but Mm -hmm. with whatever comes up in life, we're cultivating the psychological flexibility Mm -hmm. to respond in healthier ways. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about specific benefits, well, there's, you know, potentially thousands, but, you know, we've got research on, on the, on the big ones. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's interesting to see how that plays out just in a normal life. Yeah. So, so right. You, you're going through your day and the, you know, the, the regular stressors and challenges of life, you you have more psychological flexibility, less emotional reactivity, more calm, more groundedness, that sort of thing. And and to be, um, to give more specific examples, Mm -hmm. but like, it's things like, I mean, if you've had a, if you're in a stressful work environment, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's pe- things that people experience all the time. Yeah. It brings an, an equanimity to, mm-hmm. to see everything that's happening, mm-hmm. but still have that perspective to decide, all right, this is going to be the best 
a way forward. Yeah. And then something simple like, oh, let me just add to that. So for a lot of people in those stressful jobs, and, and now I'm thinking about some research that's specific to um, high stress jobs, like first responders, you know, yeah. police officers and nurses and mm-hmm. social workers and mm-hmm. people that deal with a lot of stress. What we learn is that they're able to uh, handle all of that, not take it with them mm-hmm. as, as much as we might otherwise, mm-hmm. and still be able to help the people that they're trying to serve in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that comes out of, of the, the compassion research yeah. and some of the stuff that's uh, related to this, these mindfulness practices. But then even just something as simple, let's say you had the stressful day, you go home, and you're sitting down with one of your kids talking about their day Mm -hmm. and they have something that they want to tell you and so you're listening but then your phone you get a message on your phone that darn phone and maybe if you weren't aware you're just your automatic response would be to pull out that phone and start looking at the message you just received and if you're if you're not aware of what's going on you might be missing an important opportunity for connection mm-hmm. with your loved one yeah. and and contrast that with, okay, yeah, I get this message on my phone. I'm aware that it's there and I know that can wait and I'm yeah. going to give my full attention to my family member right now. And even just that moment, I mean, you can't even put a value on how important it is yeah. to be present in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. So mindfulness gives us those opportunities in simple moments like that Mm -hmm. to put our attention where we really want it to be in that moment. Yeah. Well, and recognizing that those small moments are really the big moments. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And like, what would it be like to be toward the end of your life Mm -hmm. and look back and realized that you'd missed a whole lot of those because yeah. you weren't there mm-hmm. really you weren't present yeah you might have been there but you, but weren't, you weren't present really there yeah <laughs> yeah well and just back to this point of you know s- stressful jobs and you know i think certainly thinking about a lot of our listeners in terms of leaders you know i think one of the one of the biggest challenges and kind of one of the biggest responsibilities for leaders is that job of perspective, yeah. right? To be able to carry the big picture without losing sight of details, yeah. right? And to, to be able to know what matters, yeah. right? It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And so, so yeah. yeah, that perspective, like you said, just being able to manage all the details, mm-hmm. but still letting your decisions be based on that big picture yeah. perspective yeah. Uh, instead of just the next five minute stressor that yeah. has come up. Yeah. So big. Okay. So um, before we talk about specific resources, you know, you've, so you've been teaching, you know, these skills both on, you know, in some online courses, but also, at the university level, what have you, what have you learned from your students in terms of, you know, how this information, how these principles have changed their lives? So, you know, like for our listeners, like, why, why should they, why should they consider, you know, some of the resources that we might offer to them? Well, the short answer is that for a lot of people, it actually is life-changing. Yeah. So I'm just finishing a research study on self-compassion where we use a lot of these mindfulness practices. And self-compassion is just learning to be aware of emotions, learning to just be kind to ourselves, not letting that inner critic work over time, just awareness of those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of benefits there. And the, the, so we have the research results that are looking really impressive, but there's the comments that come from participants in, in the course that they're going through mm-hmm. and, and dozens of these about how it's been like transformational. So cool. And I hesitate even to say that because I don't want to like oversell it to people because we don't want people to do it just because like, oh, this is going right. to make all the difference. It can. And yet... 
um, it's really just about that change of perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the other thing I'd say that I'm learning from students and participants um, is that often we get in our own way when it comes to like the expectations for what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. And I, I really think people coming in understanding that you know it's a process and it takes practice mm -hmm. and just like if a person was interested in improving their physical health um you know they would they would go to the gym or they'd be more active yeah. i mean there would be time that they set aside and if you if you haven't been to the gym in a while and you've got a friend that's all excited about it and they take you to the gym and mm -hmm. put you on a treadmill and set the incline and <laughs> you're running eight miles an hour. I mean, if that isn't something you'd been doing recently, that yeah. would be exhausting yeah. and like not pleasant at all. And so I think people coming into the practice, sometimes they feel frustrated because it's like, oh, I can't, my mind's too busy or I can't, you know, sit still or, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, and, it, and it has more to do with um, managing expectations yeah, and understanding that, yeah. that that's what it's like. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. our minds are really busy and sometimes you notice that it feels even more active once you start practicing mindfulness in meditation mm -hmm. but it's because you're starting to be more aware of what your mind is doing that's totally normal yeah um that's okay doesn't Keep, mean you're doing it wrong you're not doing it wrong yeah. it's it's almost impossible to do it wrong exactly. and, uh, unless you just don't do it that's that's the only <laughs> way to do it wrong yeah just 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 take the time yeah, yeah. so coming in and managing expectations it's not about clearing your mind it's not about having some kind of zen experience yeah each time that in the practice, as you notice that your mind has wandered and you bring it back you know, mm -hmm. to the breath or whatever anchor you're using, mm -hmm. that's the, like a repetition of lifting weights at the gym. You've yep. got to go through that. And yep. each time, each repetition builds that capacity. Mm -hmm. And over time, we start getting better at it. And over time, we start noticing the benefits in our everyday yeah. life. So what I'm what I'm trying to work more with is is people's expectations once yeah. they start that oh I can't do this or there's that feels like torture I you know my <laughs> mind is so busy well that's because you're a human and your yeah. brain Liv is working and living so in this world congratulations yeah. you're alive and breathing <laughs> and welcome to you know being a human yeah so that's all part of the process totally normal yeah and um, keeping with it is what we do just make it work yeah that's great. Yeah, I know. I, I often tell clients, you know, commit, commit to 10 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. And usually I say at least 10 minutes because what I what I have found with with people and certainly with myself is five minutes will just amp you up. <laughs> like and it, it it's not like enough time to kind of ride that wave mm -hmm. where it settles a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like at least 10 minutes every day and, yeah. and usually that can kind of get them get them settled a little bit but why don't why don't you talk to us about some some good resources for yeah. you know mindfulness or meditation yeah there are a lot of great resources out there that's the good news yeah um it's never many, been a many better time <laughs> good resources and so kind of deciding where to start um so first thing I'll mention because I'm 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 developing these resources to help people know where to start. So there's this Absolutely. website, uh, it's mybestself101.org, and you'll see on there there's a, a tab for modules. There's a mindfulness module, and people can work through that as a resource. In that module, there's a list of resources at the end that has the best. Um, you know, mobile apps and, and videos and podcasts and other resources to help people get into it. I think, you know, as part of that, a lot of people find it helpful to have a, a mobile app like Headspace or Insight Timer or something that mm -hmm. provides a little bit of structure. Um, I mentioned the courses that I'm working on that will also provide that same structure for a person. Yeah. Kind of day one, day two, day three, do this uh, with the... Uh, with the support that helps a person yeah. kind of get better at that. Yeah, and I would say for people just getting started, having some structure can really, really help. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's a good, good thing to consider. And I think that commitment to like, you know, give it, give it a month to start Mm -hmm. with, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're using the Headspace app or one of these other resources, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're good at, you know, building up, Mm -hmm. but, um, so give it, give it some time. And I'd say bring some self-compassion totally. to the process because yeah. like there's going to be days that you get to the end of the day and like, oh, I didn't I didn't do any practice today. Um, and you beat yourself up and then it's harder to do it the next day. Mm-hmm. Even if you just have to sit on the edge of your bed and take three deep breaths and say, well, that's going to be it for today. Yeah. That's better than nothing. The consistency, yeah. you know, it's better to try 10 minutes you know, four times a week, mm-hmm. then try to do it once a week for an hour yeah. on a weekend. That would be hard. Really hard. Um, yeah. And yeah. Probably, you know, just unproductive. So yeah, uh, I think again, kind of managing expectations and, okay. and give it time. Okay. That's great. So we will have the link to Jared's resource. And then it sounds like Jared has lots of really great resources from apps to yeah. other resources, certainly his course, which I would strongly recommend um, because definitely whether you're new to mindfulness practice or you just even want to take your mindfulness practice to the next level, I think that structure can be really helpful, um, especially, you know, when when it comes to when it comes to, you know, setting or strengthening um a good habit consistency is kind of the name of the game so i'm i'm always a fan of structure so make sure to head on over to my website to check out the show notes the show notes will link to all of jared's information and it will have all of the resources for this episode and that's at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash one six um, one more time, that's www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash one six. So um, before I before I mention things one one last time, I just wanted to also mention that um, with our clinic, Balance Health and Healing, so Jared did a six week course back in uh, January on mindfulness. And that was a great course, uh, kind of a face-to-face course for people. And then he will also be doing another course beginning in September 3rd, right? And it's gonna be an eight-week course. Um, And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then um, tell us a little bit more about the online course that you're launching in September. So both of those. So if you're local to, you know, Utah, that the, the course at uh, balance health and healing might be a great option, but then also tell us about the online course. Yeah. So the in-person course, uh, I think it's going to be helpful both for people that are new to mindfulness, but even if you've had some experience with it, our, our focus is going to be on mindfulness practices as they relate to cultivating resilience. Yeah, that's great. And we all need that. Everyone needs that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and so uh, some of what we mentioned today together, you know, practices that help us, you know, manage difficult thoughts and emotions. Uh, how do you build that strength to be able to handle stressors as they come up in life? And a lot of the practical applications of mindfulness kind of for daily living. And and uh, we we do that. We do the practice together. Some of it's instruction, but then, you know, guided practices together. And um, the support, I think, that happens in that yeah. small group is just really valuable. Mm-hmm. And the troubleshooting that we can do together to make, you know, refinements uh, for the inevitable hard things that come up. Yeah. You know, to work through that, I think those eight weeks will just be really helpful for building those resources. Yeah. And then next month, so I mentioned that research study on Mm self-compassion. We're just wrapping up. And people have been going through kind of a beta version of this course where they learn self-compassion practices. Mindfulness is a big part of that. 
And again, that's just kind of learning to be kind to ourselves, mm-hmm. learning to tame that inner critic that's usually overactive for yeah. most of us, how to notice when that's happening. Because that's the trouble too, is we often don't notice, we aren't aware of that internal critic that can kind of get us on a downward spiral. Yeah. We just assume all oh, that's you know coming from ourselves and oh, can be discouraging so building those resources for self-compassion next month i'm launching that as an online course that anyone could take and um you can you can see some of the resources we've used for that beta course already on the my best self 101 website mybestself101.org you can go to self-compassion and um sign up for our email list if you want to get notified when that launches and um I think it would work well to have a a nice discount for people that are coming through. Oh, um, awesome. Okay. For your uh, your podcast listeners. Okay. So great. getting on that email list and um having that uh, opportunity to get that yeah. discount might also be helpful. Yeah, it's yeah, I think it's going to be a great resource and you know, I think the the cool thing is, you know, there are a lot of e-courses out there. Um, but this guy really knows what he's talking about and it's based on really extensive research and, um, it's, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great course. I've been able to preview a little bit of it. And so, um, if, if you're just getting going on mindfulness or you want to kind of take your practice to the next level, definitely, um, check it out. So again, you can find all of the links to, um, both Jared's online course, the Balance Health and Healing um, face-to-face course that will be starting in September. You can also check out some of his great photography at uh, my website, www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash one six. So you can find all of those resources there. It's been so great to have yeah, you. Thanks, thanks so much um, for, for sharing some of your passion and expertise with us. Thank you. So I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care.